1: Episode 44, Do You Even Blog? Hey Chainers, and welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien.
2: And I'm Katie Welsh.
1: All right, Katie. So we've got a bit of an interesting guest today. He isn't such a personal finance blogger. He focuses on his site, which is called Do You Even Blog, which he where he teaches people how to blog. The
2: amount of information and just stuff that I learned from talking to Pete was like eye opening. Yeah. He really helped me as a blogger kind of take a step back and focus what is important because it's easy I think to kind of get caught up in like the the race and you are reading, you know, all these other bloggers are making so much money and they're able to quit their job and man wouldn't that be the dream but he really sh- talks about what's important.
1: Yeah, and, and I think he breaks into bite-sized chunks as well. And you know, he has a podcast where he he I think like he interviews guests that have done really well, and he breaks it down and says, "Well, what did you do?" Like he actually gets really great information out of them. So
2: yeah, and yeah. you listen to that to his blog all the time.
1: I do. I, I'm a massive fat. I'm a massive fan of Pete's <laughs> podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, are you ready to talk to Pete?
1: Yeah, let's dive right into our
0: interview. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom.
1: Hey, Chainers, and welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. Today, we have Pete McPherson with us. Pete writes killer bio paragraphs, but when he's not doing that, (laughs) he's a full-time husband And dad, idealistic entrepreneur, purple cow thinker, blogger, marketer, CPA, data nerd, Star Wars nerd, web and iOS developer, and a really fast typer. He spends his days teaching people how to blog better at his website, doevenblog.com, which is actually a podcast as well. He also drafts and and validates various project ideas. Welcome, Pete.
0: Hi,
3: Pete. Thank you guys so much for having me. I completely forgot everything that I wrote in <laughs> that bio. So I really am a fast typer. By the way. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure you're like, who is this guy? He sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah.
2: Wow. I'm amazing.
3: No, thank you, Dennis and Katie. Thanks for having me.
2: So, Pete, um, real quick, what do you think of the latest Star Wars movie?
3: OK, I know it's like divided out there on Reddit land, Internet land, but I really liked it. I did. I love the direction that they took with, well, quite frankly, killing off Luke Skywalker. Spoiler alert. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I love how you said spoiler
3: it after you said that. No. <laughs> I didn't think about it in time. No, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I've always been, well, a huge, huge fan. I've seen it like three times already in theaters. So, yeah, no, I loved it. That's awesome. So, dark side or light side? Light side. Light wow. side all the way, I'm telling you. I'm one of those cliche star Wars fans that might've been born like in the 1960s. So like when I first saw it, I might've been like 16 that didn't actually happen, but I'm totally like that sort of Luke Skywalker, Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca freak, totally light side guy. You know, I, I was completely light side at one point. And
1: then I really try, try to start looking at things. All right, Let me actually look at this objectively from the dark side's perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like a bit torn now, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. There's actually, I don't know if you know this, there's a, a Reddit subreddit. I actually don't remember what it's called right now. It's escaping me, but it's actually the Empire did nothing wrong or it's called something like that. And the entire subreddit is devoted to funny, humorous posts and memes and videos and all sorts of stuff that kind of looks at Star Wars from an Empire perspective. It's really funny. You should go check it out
2: it definitely will um considering i only watched all the new, all the star wars movies because i was forced to to go watch the new movie <laughs> <laughs> it was we watched all of them over like the span of like a month and a half and i did not think they were ever going to end <laughs>
3: <laughs> but uh, now Katie, you're, you're, you're not alone
2: <laughs> i know i know but anyway okay so You have a few, you've had a few blogs. What is the one thing you wish you would have known back in the day as a new blogger?
3: Ooh, that's a good question. Thank you. I wish I had, hmm, how to answer this? Okay. I wish I had taken my time. I tend to be, and maybe we can talk about this later. One of my weaknesses probably in life is my lack of ability to plan long-term. I tend to be... Very, very efficient and effective at just seeing like a project or an idea or when I started my very first blog, just like gung ho all in. I'm doing this for like mm, 17 hours a day, like getting stuff done and hustling and hustling. I'm really great at that. I'm pretty good at like being effective really, really quick bursts. But I wish I wish somebody had like reached out and slapped me when I started my first blog and said like, hey, this is like a long term game. This is not You growing it over the course of like a month or two months or six months, even like this is a long-term game. And I think that would have helped me avoid burnout. And I might've actually, I might be still doing that very first blog I did if I, if somebody had told me that, but I went really fast and didn't see a whole lot of results and uh, ended up quitting actually several blogs uh, for that matter. So yeah, I just, I wish somebody had told me to slow down.
2: I can appreciate that because when we first started chain of wealth I. There were times where I just kind of felt like, okay, and now I hit publish and we should have like a thousand followers hey, and hey, look, here they
3: come, here they come.
2: yeah, yeah. Like I should see them and it's, <laughs> it's not like that at
3: all. No. Yeah. No, nothing. Okay. We'll talk about this for just a second. I think we're still doing a bad job as far as current bloggers or more experienced bloggers. We're still doing a pretty bad job at marketing the whole, oh, starting a blog is easy or Look how many results I got. That sort of thing. It's kind of one of my big pet peeves in the blogosphere, so to speak. So, I don't know. This is a little... I told you, like, you read off my bio. It said idealistic entrepreneur. And one of my, you know, highly opinionated ideals is that we do a bad job marketing that. I don't know. Just my two cents. I can can see that because
2: back when I was reading all these blogs and I would see on Pinterest, like... One blog, like I made fifteen hundred dollars this month, and then another one, I made two thousand dollars this month, and they made it sound like they just started. And then I would look at my blog, and I think I think the only way I made money was because I would buy things through my own affiliate link, <laughs> or, or or like when my mom went to buy for um her Christmas presents, I would tell her to go through my affiliate link to oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. to to make like thirty cent.
3: Yeah, I
1: did that too. I did that too. <laughs> we all have to start somewhere. <laughs> so Pete, you've interviewed some really inspirational people out there and you've really managed to get inside a lot of people's minds already. So what would you say that is a way that people can start trying to make some income off their blog? Um, I know we spoke a little bit about affiliate marketing, but what would you say is those first little steps that people generally should take when trying to get out there?
3: Hmm. That's a great question. I I consider myself a a contrarian is the word that I like to use. Uh, some people, my mother might have called that rebellious back in the day. And she was probably <laughs> right. But I tend to see what everybody else is doing and desire to do like the polar opposite just because, hey, I don't want to do that. Meaner, like I'm, I'm kind of rebellious. And that has served me well in the past and it served me not well. And I think when it comes to Like you said, kind of basically, it sounded like you were asking, like, how can people kind of stand out and start to make a difference? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would definitely say standing out is like the magic secret art. It's not really a secret at all, but it's like, it's like the art to growing a blog in a quick manner, which is not impossible, but it's just very difficult. And, oh, man. Actually, I just tell everybody to go pay me $400 and buy blogger you at this point. But I actually won't do that. (laughs) Actually, I guess I already did. Um, But I would just encourage people to sit down. Well, first of all, take it slow. Like you don't have to really stress about putting out like four posts a week and just take it slow. Take an afternoon and look at what everyone else is doing in your niche or your niche, whatever you want to call it. What are they doing? What are they talking about? What subjects tend to come up a lot? Like you guys are in. Lifestyle and personal finance and that stuff. And student loans, that's a great example. There's like a ton of, especially millennial personal finance bloggers, they talk about student loans and rightfully so. It's a huge issue, right? But I think for someone really just looking to make a difference, like they're really into it, I really want to succeed with my blog. I really want to do it. I would just encourage them to look at what everyone else is doing and then ask, why should I? Why should I blog about student loans? Why can't I take or at least present? An alternative viewpoint, not just for the sake of arguing, of course, but just to like, you got to be a little bit different. You have to be different to stand out. It's the whole Seth Godin, Purple Cow. That's a marketing book that I highly recommend. Everybody go pick up. It's super short. You can get it for like $5 used on Amazon. And that's all it says. It says in order to stand out, which, by the way, leads to that growth (laughs) that you were mentioning, you got to be different. In a good way. You got to be remarkable in a good way. So I know that's a very unsatisfying answer to your question, I feel like. But that is that is what I think. Actually, I should just say, everybody go buy Purple Cow. That's the easiest <laughs> answer. I actually got quite a bit of value from that. <laughs> oh, we're, we're good. <laughs> sometimes it just feels like rambling. And then sometimes, you know, actual wisdom might come out every now and then on a podcast.
2: Oh, no worries. That happened. So what is the most common question that new bloggers are coming to you with? Hmm.
3: That's a good question. Uh, well, I would say that I don't get a whole lot of those questions yet. I'm still small in my own right. Like I'm not a major expert. I'm not like a you know huge millionaire blogger myself. But oh, that's a great question. Okay,
2: I, I can change so, it if you'd like.
3: No, no, no. I think I got it. I got okay. It. Okay. Um, there's no specific question that I see people asking. You would think it would be like, how do we get more traffic, or how do I get more downloads, or something like that. But it's usually not. It's usually something that doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out a way to phrase this without offending people. But it's usually not a specific question so much as it is some tiniest little detail in the course of how to run and manage a blog that doesn't really matter. Like some people will comment, hey, would you look at my new this is a extreme example. But hey, would you look at my new header to my WordPress theme. Like, what do you think? Is this working? Is this, is this right? Should I be doing it like this? And my whole thing would just be like, no, I don't care. No one cares. Your audience doesn't care. They care about what you have to say and doesn't mean anything to them. And so a lot of people will come with like, oh man, how many guest posts, you know, should I try and do a month or a quarter or, you know, just the small details of blogging. Lots of people get caught up in those small details instead of Really looking at the big picture of reaching people like, what do you want to change in people and how are you making it happen? Like, that's the only thing you could concern you with. And I'd say more than anything, new bloggers come with like (laughs) little underwhelming details that they probably shouldn't be focusing on. That might be a harsh truth, but that's the truth. Like, wait do I find Cpanel once it's full. <laughs> well, actually, I would wait that one's probably important, because if they can't do that, you know, they might not be able to install WordPress or get their email set up or whatnot. But yeah, yeah, that, that sort of stuff.
2: Okay, all right. So, do you have any funny blogging faux pas? <laughs> I'm sure you do.
3: Okay, so faux pas meaning like mistake, correct? Yeah. I actually i I can't think of a very specific one. But I will say that I say stupid things that I regret all the time on the podcast, and for whatever reason, but I you can to edit that. I don't though. That's I told you I was lazy. I'm lazy. <laughs> um, no, I I think it brings out a lot more organic and natural feel to everything I do. I'm Not saying that everyone should not edit, and I'm not giving that advice at all. But I that's part of what helps me stand out as a podcaster so far is that I don't do a whole lot of editing. I don't do a whole lot of producing and overproducing and, and that sort of stuff. So that's kind of, I don't know, helped me sound a little bit different and just kind of occupy a different spot in people's minds. So back to your question, I don't think so. I mean, I know I have, don't get me wrong. Every single time I start talking to people on podcasting, including this one, probably, I'm sure I will. I have a really bad tendency to think really fast and kind of ramble a little bit and then move on to a uh, this subject and then move back in time in their story to this and go back and forth. And I know that's not a very funny faux pas, but the truth is that happens all the time. And it's only funny in my head. Cause I'm like, Oh Pete, you're, you're, you're doing it again. <laughs> you told yourself, you're not going to like screw this up. You even wrote the questions <laughs> down that you were going <laughs> to ask. And then lo and behold, like I'm just like all over the place. So <laughs> it's uh it, it's probably not funny to anybody listening to it. But for me, I'm like, really? I just did that again. Like, why can't I just like stick to the story?
2: I feel like going off on a tangent happens quite often. I remember when I was teaching, I would go off on a tangent for like 10 minutes and then I would have to kind of bring myself back.
3: Those are the best kind of teachers, though. Am I right? Yeah. We always loved those teachers. It's engaging.
2: I mean, I tried.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We had uh, this. Speaking of tangents, my quote unquote mentor all throughout grad school and when I was a CPA or whatnot. He was the dean of the business school where I went to grad school, and he was the worst at tangents. Brilliant guy, just, just amazing accounting professor and management, tax, cost accounting, like the whole thing. Just amazing teacher, but one out of every six classes, we would absolutely get nothing done because he would go, not rants, but like he would just go on crazy tangents in the world of like, you young people don't know how good you have it. I used to do this or something like that. It was, it was like the best tangents ever. And we, the students were like, oh yes, we don't have to do anything today. This is great.
2: <laughs> pill in the snow, both ways kind of a day, huh? Yeah. Okay. Totally.
3: okay. <laughs> I actually uh,
1: studied accounting as well. And um, I used to have a lecturer that would literally do exactly the same thing, go off on a complete tangent. Then he'd come back, talk about all the coursework and then you'd have to start studying for the exam and you open up yeah. the book and you're like, yeah. he didn't mention this, this stuff once.
3: Yeah. That's the worst. <laughs> it I it reached
1: the point I where either. I didn't even go to class anymore. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and anyway. then you're
2: paying for it.
1: Yeah. And then I you're know. paying for it, which is the worst thing.
3: <laughs> we could go off on a whole another podcast episode tangent right there, but I won't, I won't bore you guys.
1: With it. <laughs> <laughs> well, m- maybe let's chat about you being a CPA in your former life, so to speak. So, I mean, it's quite a bold move to jump out there and quit an office job while you're trying to support a family. So I have to put it to you quite bluntly. Do you think you have a lot of
3: faith in your skills to board your <laughs> tribe? <laughs> uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that I know I can help people. Like, I, I am confident. I believe in my skills as a... Honestly, journalist. that's kind of how I like to think of myself. I love being able to talk with other people and hopefully, you know, tease out nuggets and wisdom and stuff like that. Lessons learned. Um, but I know I can help people in that respect. I know I can. Like with Do You Even Blog, I know that I can help people become better bloggers. If not right now, then six months from now. If not six months from now, then a year from now. I know I can. I have that confidence. And I've learned enough about startups and business I know I can build a million dollar business like I just I just know it. it's just a matter of time it's not if for me it's a matter of time fantastic but, but also no because I don't know if you guys listened to I recorded an episode with Jillian from montanamoneyadventures.com wonderful counselor just a really gracious and loving human being like it's unbelievable and so she sat with me and she talked with me about self-doubt specifically I like to call it you know imposter syndrome And I, along with, you know, probably everybody else on the planet to some degree, I struggle with like imposter syndrome a lot, like on any given day, I could be like on top of the world, like, yes, I'm killing it. This is great. I love the way my business is going. I'm helping people. This is awesome. And the next day I'll be like, who am I to like do any of this? Like what accomplishments do I have to make me stand in front of a microphone and, you know, try and tell people my opinions or try and help them? Like, who am I? Like, this is silly. I should not be here. And so you were talking about faith to like build this tribe. I do, I do have the confidence, but I will hereby admit that I struggle hardcore with self-doubt on like any given day, any given day. And by the way, I just want to stick up. This is not a tangent. I promise it's related. So I don't know if you know this, but I was actually, (laughs) I took another job instead of just quitting my CPA career to blog full time. I have to like, disclose that I would never recommend that for like almost anybody, unless you're actually making substantial income or you you're taking like a one year mini retirement and you got money saved up. I would just, I just want to shout that out there. Don't do what I did. And to be frank, like I got a startup job. I moved back to my hometown from Atlanta. I quit my CPA career, but I was still, I still had a salary. Like I still had health benefits for my family. Like I still had all that stuff. I thought I was making a great decision because I was, you know, gonna be able to blog a little bit more and stay at home with the family a little bit more and also have a salary for this startup. Well, the short story is I got fired uh less than one month in there. Oh no, I didn't get fired. They shut down, they didn't have any money. I got laid off after one paycheck. And that was the decision of like, oh my goodness, okay, what are we gonna do? Can I make a project work? Like, do you even blog? It wasn't around then, but it was like, can I do this entrepreneurship full-time? Or should I go back to corporate America and be a CPA? So I was kind of thrown into the fire with, you know, no ships behind me. My, my ships were burnt. What are they called? Burning your ships. Yep. Is that the right analogy there? Okay. I'll go with I'm not, it. I'm not making that up. <laughs> um, yeah, setting fire to your sails. I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was thrown into that position and sat with my wife, cried about it a little bit and decided to tough it out for lack of a better term and just try and do this thing full time. So the word's still out if I'll be, you know, quote unquote successful and building up the tribe to a full-time sustainable business. But right now it's going well and could not be happier with it. Yeah. It's baby steps first. You know, yep. you have to really
1: like try and get that little bit of traction.
2: <laughs> and I can yes. definitely relate to the um, imposter syndrome. Even today, my boss looked at me. She went out on her lunch break to the bank and met with a personal finance planner. And she came back and she was talking about and everything. And then she looked right at me and she goes, oh, well, Katie probably already knows everything that I just learned. And I was like, I I don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, well, because you have a personal finance blog. And I was like, maybe you should actually read my personal finance (laughs) blog because it's all about how I'm trying to pay off my student loan debt. And I made all these horrible financial decisions <laughs> so like <Yeah. laughs> i i don't I, go to your planner don't come to me
1: but it, it it's actually interesting you talk about that the fact that you have it puts you in a position where people regard you as the go-to expert even though you may not know I- enough really to be called an expert you the fact that you've being exposed to it, people associate you with success in that area, which is quite interesting, really. That's
3: right. It is.
2: Yeah. Well, and I can definitely tell you what not to do. I can tell you not to do something.
3: Mm, What do you mean? How so?
2: Well, like, oh, Katie, my best friend came up to me and asked me to co-sign for a loan on their car. Oh, yeah. Don't do that. I learned that the hard way. Or, (laughs) hey, Katie, I heard of this really great advertisement where they help you pay off your student loans. Don't do that. Just pay your student loan. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't go through other people learned that lesson the hard way too. So I've learned all kinds of those lessons.
3: Yeah. Well, I have two, two quick notes that I've kind of, I don't remember who I was talking with about this, but I, I spoke with someone and two things for one, because we are content creators, bloggers like you in personal finance and me in the meta blogging niche, I guess you could say, uh, we're we're often surrounded by like like-mind, minded like minded individuals. Excuse me, on the internet, like we're friends with all these other bloggers, or at least you know we you know, online friendships. Yeah, we're, we're both
2: friends.
3: Yeah, we we comment on each other's blogs, whatever, and it's really easy to forget that like ninety eight percent of the population has no idea how to blog, or has no idea that they shouldn't do any of those like co-signing blunders or loan blunders or you know frugality budgeting investing earning saving all that great stuff there's still a huge amount of people on the world that are still on the internet that could find your blog by the way there's still a huge amount of people that aren't in tune with that so even though we may not consider ourselves experts there's actually a good chance that we know a lot more than we think we do or at least we're able to help a lot more than we think we do that's number 1 number 2 i just want to say this For whatever reason, I have found that screw the expert thing. Like if you show up, this doesn't have to be blog. It could be a full-time job. It could be anything. If you show up with a mission statement, like a purpose in life, it doesn't matter if you're an expert or not. And for me and do you even blog, this is like what I was meant to do right now. I don't know if it's what I was meant to do 10 years from now. I have no clue. But right now. I know, I know in the bottom of my heart, this is what I'm here to do. And I'm super fired up every single time I start like recording podcasts or blogging or anything. Excuse me. I'm fired up. I have my mission to help people and change people. And I think that forgives a lot of non expertness, if that's a word, too. I'm just making words up. <laughs> well, podcast. But yeah. That's my, my, my little rant for this evening. We're going to have a whole new language by the end.
2: <laughs> we'll, we'll attach a little glossary at the end. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so being a CPA, I'm sure numbers are quite your thing as well. Did you do any income forecasting when you were looking at starting it? Or, or is that working for you? I know you're sort of on your blog, you publish a little bit of information as to your stats and your downloads and how many visitors you have, which by the way, I I think is fantastic, you know, to be so open and transparent about that. But did you sort of have any sort of goals or milestones you were trying to achieve?
3: Not, not at first. And like I said earlier, that's actually one of my huge weaknesses is the, the lack of long-term planning and organizing. It's actually like a huge trait for Uh, professional marketers, I guess you could say, like people (laughs) classically trained in marketing in corporates or startups or whatever, Uh, and something I'm really bad at. So the answer is yes, but this is actually the first year that I've done it. So when I first started, I, oh God, this is so sad to even say, but I had no idea. Like I was just, I was just doing, I was just doing things and that's it. Like I had no plans, no income goals, even like, I just, I had no idea. I just wanted to grow. Which is great. That's fine, but that's not really optimal. This year, I told myself in December, I was like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more structured, a little bit more long term thinking for 2018. So, yes, I broke down my big income goal. I kind of chose one and then I kind of reverse engineered that by month and like all of 2018, 12 months. And I determined, okay, that was actually like too high. I've got to tune it down a little bit based on where I'm at currently and where I think I can grow in the next like three months and then six months or whatnot. And so I eventually settled on a number and I'm happy to share it with you. If you really want to know, by the way, I don't know if I'll hit it or not, but uh, I I settled on a number for 2018 broken down by month. And I even, this is in like a Google doc or a Google uh, sheet. I broke it down on another column, like exactly where that income is coming from. I'm like, okay, okay if growth stays on roughly the same curve that it is, which I'm hoping it doesn't, I'm hoping it goes exponential instead of like linear. But if it does, I'll roughly make this amount of affiliate income. I plan on having two large product launches in 2018 and maybe one or two smaller ones. Like I, I got it pretty well broken down and I gotta tell you, it feels nice. I never done that before. <laughs> it feels nice to actually look at something and have something to like track progress. I don't know. I've been bad at that in the past, so it feels good. Yeah, no, I have to
1: say that we only really started writing down our goals a month ago. Um, you know, and we said to ourselves at the time, people that write down their goals and revise them regularly and talk about it and hold yourself accountable, they're 8 times more likely to succeed. Mm. So, since we, huge. Yeah, it, it's it, it's literally crazy huge. So, as an exercise, like we wrote, we, we, we just jotted down a huge amount of goals like casually. And then we sort of said, all right, well, we'll come back to it at some point and totally forgot about it. And probably mm. about a week ago, I said to Katie, you know, like we just hit a milestone in our downloads. Why don't we go and cross it off the list? Which
2: and- was 200 in a day. <laughs> Super <great>. exciting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. So we, we decided to go back and just cross that off the list. And we opened it up and we looked at all the other categories we'd broken it down. We were like, we want to do guest posts and we, and we had like numbers behind it, like maybe one guest post at first, then three. And, you know, in the in the, in the last month, we've already got those three. So we crossed those two off and we just sort of went down the list and we were horrified as to how much stuff we actually ticked off. And it, it, it really just got us so fired up and pumped. And we were like, you know what, we need to keep going and we need to try and up those goals and write new goals. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it makes you feel like you're achieving stuff.
3: That's great. <laughs> you you are achieving stuff that's awesome yeah no i couldn't agree and it's the same thing that people have with their to-do list like my wife literally she will put something on the to-do list even after she's done it just so she can like cross it off <laughs>
2: i <laughs> you know? do that too oh, totally. uh, everybody best does feeling yeah? ever
3: i i feel like that's the same sort of joy and satisfaction probably even more so of like crossing off a goal, even like a really small one that was just like totally doable, totally winnable, just like crossing it off. Like, yeah, boom. Okay. I hit that. What's next? Like moving on. It's just a good, it's just a good small win for the day. Like whenever you do that, I love doing that.
2: Yeah. So, okay. So we're talking about growing podcasts and everything. So you said earlier that you're a pretty new podcast and you debuted, I think on the best day of the year which was my birthday <laughs> um so is do you June one by the way i'm sorry
3: june one by the way is that right
2: may 26th
3: oh okay okay <laughs> well i I like to think of do you even blog launching on june one but i actually released those like first three or four episodes like beforehand so i was trying to figure out when your birthday was <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah yeah no the scheduler helps right <laughs> so do you have any hacks to growing your download
3: hmm i do i do uh before i reveal any uh hacks quote unquote i would also just tell people that are thinking about doing this (laughs) excuse me or that are podcasting already and maybe need some quick wins quick growth is that it's kind of just like a blog right i mean all the tactics and strategies are pretty much exactly the same just a different format. And yeah, some things look a little bit different. Some things don't, but patience and consistency, which is like the two ingredients of the growth pie. You want to think about that? Let's go with pizza, patience (laughs) and consistency, the two ingredients to the growth pizza. And the same goes for blogging. Same goes for like podcasting. So I would tell people just like I told you at the very start of the show, like don't stop. (laughs) keep going even if it's a grind even if it's like coming a lot slower than you want just keep going like be consistent and show up and do the work that's one Uh, as far as hacks i really like these let me let me just say two and I, i consider these hacks just because it's not what would be traditionally recommended so i'm just gonna think of hacks like that one would be to know what everybody else is already doing and then do the opposite again the contrarian stuff coming out and I'll give you an example. So, when I started the Do You Even Blog podcast, actually, before it was a podcast at all, it was just me interviewing a few blogger friends of mine. I was so disappointed with what everyone else was doing. I listened to Pat Flynn for years, Darren Rouse, the pro, pro blogger, excuse me, uh, Tim Ferriss, Kevin Rose, Art of Charm. Like, I've, I was just a podcast guy, and I was so disappointed in what the blogging podcasts were already doing. It was just two guys talking about SEO. I won't mention that name of the podcast. Uh, And then Darren, I love Darren, but the format, which is not really what I wanted to hear. And there was sometimes interviews, but not really a whole lot. Most of the time it was just him. And the episodes were getting interrupted with like little snippets throughout. And they were short form. And I was just like, I don't really like what anybody else is doing. I want to do like the opposite. So I actually stole the legendary Tim Ferriss's format. Like, or that's what I attempt to do (laughs) anyways. In your head, you did. In my head, I did. Yeah, I was (laughs) like, okay, I want to go long form as much as possible. Like, what does that look like? I want to go deep. Like, I want to just be casual and conversational and I want to, go off on tangents and feel okay doing that as long as it's still interesting or funny or engaging or emotional or whatever. Like, I don't want to sit there and be like, here is how to blog. Today, we're going to talk about guest posting, how to line them up and what to do, like X, Y, Z. Like, I just didn't want to do that. And that's what everybody else was doing. So I kind of had to sit and think of like, okay, I don't want to do that. What could I do? And I ended up going with the Tim Ferriss route. So that's kind of hack number one is just really taking a look Step number one is actually knowing what everybody else is doing, by the way. Like, know what everybody else is doing, and then ask yourself with a pen and a paper, if necessary, like, what can I do? Like, how can I set myself apart? What does the opposite of this look like? Even if you don't do the opposite, it's just a good little thought exercise to go through. That's number one. Number two, and again, this is just like non traditional advice. I would really encourage podcasters and maybe even YouTubers to maybe even bloggers. I don't know. Stop the overproducing and over editing and over designing and over optimizing and overthinking like all of that stuff. You do not have to produce something that sounds like an NPR podcast. You don't have to produce something that sounds like masters of scale. One of my favorite entrepreneurship podcasts, this super overproduced, like they spend a crazy amount of money overdoing those podcasts and they're amazing. But for you and for me and for other smaller podcasters, we don't have to do that. Like, just don't overthink it. People are there for the stories. People are there for the content, not your editing. I had somebody email me and say like, hey, you smack your lips a lot, which, by the way, they're completely correct. Like, I have a huge problem with doing that. (laughs) I've tried to stop. I wanted to tell them I've tried to stop. I promise I know about this problem. I can't do anything about it. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, I don't care. I don't think most of my audience cares either. So, for like that one person, like that's the first time I'd ever heard that. So, I was like, okay, well, one person noticed. So, I would encourage people to just like do it your way. Just like if you don't want to overproduce, don't spend a whole lot of time editing. And when you record intros and outros, just do it in one take. Even if it's not perfect, just laugh about it and maybe even comment on it. Who knows? And then move on. Like, just be yourself. I think it's a great way to be transparent and vulnerable all those good things that I think will also help people stand out so those are my hacks
2: I totally agree I think in the beginning I used to spend like all day editing one podcast episode and I would end up moving the clips around and getting it all Mm -hmm. confused and then I the whole thing would be ruined then because people would talk like not even in, in English and then finally it just occurred to us like what if we don't really edit it? Yeah. And then like. What's going to
3: happen? What's the worst? That could yeah. We, we put yeah. the
2: music on and we didn't super edit it. And it was actually a lot more entertaining.
3: Totally. Yeah. Totally. And when you think about it, people are not listening, like sitting down, staring at their iPhone, doing nothing. Just listening to your podcast and like taking notes. Like, who does that? Nobody does that. No, we're know. in our cars, we're on our commutes, we're running, we're at the gym, we're, I don't know, playing with our kids. I hope I, I curse sometimes on my podcast. So I hope people aren't like playing with their kids, <laughs> but like they're just, they don't care. They're in it for like a big picture. And people listen on like 1.5x speed, 2x speed. Like, yeah, it's totally not necessary, in my opinion. I tell people just to make it as easy as possible to produce the content. And then just focus on making the content better and not the actual formatting and editing and engineering and that stuff. Yeah, that's it. Yep. And
1: they're also looking for entertainment value. And sometimes those mess ups
3: are funny. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Can we say something really dumb now so we can like leave that in? No.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you also have a whole post on new blog tools that you're loving. So which one is your favorite?
3: hmm i'm like a kid in a candy store when it comes to shopping for blogging tools and i'll tell you what why don't you i need some more uh guidance in this software or hardware um let's say software software okay so i have discovered two new ones in the past couple of months smarter Q. so people use Buffer and Meet Edgar and Hootsuite primarily are like the three big ones, I think, for social media sharing. There's also uh, Suede.com. That's with two A's. They're uh, used to be sponsors. I like them. I like their product. But SmarterQ is like amazing. I signed up like right at Thanksgiving, and it's just I don't know, it's cut out probably five hours a month, maybe something like that. From just managing my social media queue. <laughs> so oh, I, wow. I have all my blog content, podcasts, YouTube videos in there as well, other people's content. Like it has saved me so much time. And it's big thing is like evergreen content recycling, as in you don't have to keep adding stuff to it. It'll just recycle it like automatically. When something is shared, it was added to the end of the queue, which is amazing. And you can go change it later if you want to and change copywriting or whatever. But it just recycles automatically. It's amazing, and the only other one that does that is Meet Edgar. And Meet Edgar is fifty dollars a month. SmarterQ starts at sixteen dollars a month. And and I, I should—they're not paying me for this. I swear. I was just I, thinking, should like, should like, man, a are you
2: in a, are you an affiliate <laughs> no. for these?
3: I, I am an affiliate. I'm happy to throw that out. But they're not paying me at all. Like, I just I love them. Uh, they have a choose your own feature price plan. It's so awesome. Like that's no, cool. I didn't need these other importing features. I love my analytics. So I paid an extra two dollars a month for analytics. So I pay, I think, $21 a month total, which as far as like comparing that to the $50 a month, you get the you know, similar features with Meet Edgar is so much better. It's so awesome. So smarter Q is one. And then oh, I could literally spend all day. I'll tell you what, I'll be really quick and I'll give you like three or four more. One, for organizational notes, note-taking, writing, blog post writing, to-do list. I use Bear. I don't know the the domain name. It actually has a hyphen in it. Bearwriter.com, maybe bearapp.com. Just Google Bear writing. It'll pop right up. It's $14 a year. It's super cheap. It's like a dollar or something a month. And it has completely replaced uh, Evernote my notepad, my to-do list, everything. It's so dead simple. I love it. Bearwriter.com. What else we got? Freedom.to. That's the website. Freedom.to. It's a great, it's also like $25 a year. It's like super cheap. It can automatically block addicting websites. Like if you really want to focus, get stuff done, I just click a button and it like blocks Gmail, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, like it blocks everything. And you can like pick and choose websites, by the way. But it's just really great for eliminating distractions and getting stuff done. Uh, Last but not least, most bloggers have probably already heard of this, but I'm going to throw them out there anyways. ConvertKit. And it's more than just email service provider, more than just email marketing. People do ask me, or I see this thrown around a lot, like how do you deliver your content upgrades? Somebody asked this in my Facebook group like a day or two ago. How do you actually deliver your content? freebies your content upgrades your lead magnets or whatever you want to call it and i was like i used to use lead pages at $300 a year now i just use convertkit like i use convertkit for everything <laughs> i pay $30 a month it's the best $30 a month i spend email marketing as well as landing pages i guess they still have that you can do that super easy creating forms and freebies and email courses and content upgrades and rss feed automation and oh, it's just so good so convertkit.com I know people already know what that is, but I just use that for so much. It's unbelievable.
1: Awesome. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value link round. Chainers, we would love to get to know you a bit better. So why don't you join us on social media? head over to chainofwealth.com slash FB. You'll be redirected to our Facebook page where you can like our group and interact with us, ask questions and join like-minded individuals looking to achieve something great in finances. That's chainofwealth.com slash FB. So Pete, why do
3: you think people struggle to achieve their dreams? Mm, That's a good question. Um, hmm. Two things. One They haven't actually translated their dreams into some sort of goal, like dreams and goals are completely different. And this is why I love the four hour work week, by the way, he has something called, Oh, the dream line. I don't remember the exercise Is something like that. Go buy the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss, amazing book, but it pretty much takes your dreams and then lays out, okay, this is your dream to travel the world for a year or to, quit your job and blog full time or to start your own business or to X, Y, Z. What does that look like? What steps need to happen? Like physical steps, action, actionable things. What do I need to do in order to make that happen? Okay. It costs this much money. How much money does that cost? Okay. So I need to raise $3,000 a month. If I want to achieve this dream in two years, I need to average $3,000 a month. As an example, I think that's, One thing, something I used to struggle with a lot, by the way, I would say like, I want to be a millionaire when I grow up. Well, that's stupid. Everybody wants to be billionaires with like perfect abs when they grow up. Like, what does that actually mean? What does that translate to? And just taking that dream, putting a price tag on it, because most of our dreams like take money, right? Quitting jobs, traveling, like all that great stuff, starting a business, even take it. Put a dollar value on it and then work backwards, like reverse engineer your way. Okay, I want to do this in one year or five years or five months or three weeks. I don't know. And then just translate it into a goal. Something that's measurable, something that's trackable, that sort of thing. Um, That's one. If I had to say anything else, I would also say irrational fears. So fear would be like a really easy... Experty thing to like talk about. And I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk about irrational fears. You asked me earlier, like, <laughs> it probably took a little bit of boldness to like forego the $70,000 a year, like, super easy CPA job that I had. And now, like, living off zero incomes, we're hustling full time and entrepreneurship and blogging, a little bit of bold. And the truth is, I was like terrified, terrified, absolutely terrified to do this instead of going back to full-time work and what i learned very 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 quickly is that life finds a way and yes i just quoted jurassic park right there um (laughs) but as a as a christian as well like i also believe that like oh god does take care of us and even if you don't believe in that at all just we have so many irrational fears that we haven't even thought through like oh my god if i lost my job tomorrow i would freak out like i have no idea you'd be fine You'd be fine. You could go stay at your parents' house, worst-case scenario. Like, yeah, okay, even if you lived on the street for like a couple of weeks, like you could figure out what to do. You're not going to die, most likely. Like our that's an extreme example, but just so many irrational fears about losing our comfort, like stepping out of our comfort zones when it comes to dreams, like oh my gosh, that would take me doing this in order to achieve my dream. That sounds like impossible right now like oh I don't know if I could ever do that like just so many irrational fears that would be my my big thing that I learned over the past year from quitting the CPA job which is like it's actually not that bad my wife and I have been living for 14 months now on zero incomes oh by the way we have two kids <laughs> like we've been doing it like it's not been a problem it's been a little stressful every now and then but it was not it's not fear inducing anymore like the fear we had of this was irrational. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Oh, my goodness.
2: How are you having two children with Mm -hmm. no income? Because I don't have any children and sometimes I can't afford myself.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, speaking of, oh, you know, what? Is it burning bridges? I was thinking burning ships. There's a ships analogy there, too. But burning bridges where you force yourself into situations to, like, take action. That's what I was trying to, like use an analogy for but that's pretty much the truth like we were kind of forced into this like I could have gone back to accounting but we really did like burn our bridges like we had no choice but to figure out how to live for dirt cheap dirt cheap like we we had to axe uh our we sold our house before that we were actually really lucky in that respect we sold our house in Atlanta where we lived and right now we live in my grandmother's house she doesn't live here. She's in a nursing home, God love her. But she's letting us stay here mortgage free, rent free. Right. And so we've just really gone out of our ways to optimize our spending, like to the max, like more so than we ever thought possible. If you'd asked me two years ago if we could do this, I would have said, Oh my God, no. Like I can't even like keep up with my car payments or my mortgage payments or the grocery bills, like now. But now that we're here, we figured out how to do it. Like, it's not that hard. I don't know. We burned our bridges. We were forced into it. And, like I said, it has been a little stressful every now and then. But other than that, we figured it out. Yeah. Like, I think, I think you could too. If you lost your job, you and Dennis, like, get laid off and you have to go live under a bridge for like three months, you would, you would figure it out. You would.
2: I think Dennis would. Absolutely die, but I think I would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, Dennis would be like, But my cappuccino maker, oh, <laughs> are we going to yeah. plug it in? But you're yeah. definitely right. Like, yeah. it does always work out.
3: Yeah, it does. Irrational fears, irrational fears, people.
2: So, besides your podcast and our podcast, do you have any other favorite podcasts or books that you could recommend?
3: Yes, I could. Uh, let's go with podcasts first. Do you, can you tell I like recommending things? I don't know. Let's go with podcasts. We first. like so,
2: recommendations, so you're good. Okay.
3: okay. So right now and always, I will be binging on Hardcore History. You guys know what that is?
2: Um, no. no.
3: Okay, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and not uh, enough. <laughs> okay, perfect. I am not a history nerd. I am not a history fan. Like, I just... I've never had any interest in any of that stuff, but this podcast was recommended to me by Tim Ferriss and it is amazing. Each episode is roughly the smallest one I've ever seen was about three hours. Most of them are between five and six hours long, but he owns only publishes mm, roughly once every six months. Wow. Once every six months, super long episodes. And as soon as they hit, they have millions and millions and millions of downloads in iTunes. They're so good, and it's just one guy named Dan Carlin telling hardcore history. <laughs> it's exactly what it sounds like. He tells stories. Uh, I would recommend if you're going to start with that, go back and find the World War One. I. I think it's called Blueprint of an Armageddon. It's like a seven episode uh, series of World War One, the history of World War One. It took like what seven episodes? It took like three years or more to like release this as a podcast, but it's amazing. It's like 30 hours worth of content. It's so good. It's worth every second. And I don't like history. I got to say that. So that's one. Tim Ferriss podcast, always. Like I just, I just love it. Always. Art of Charm. I've been really digging with Jordan Harbinger how to make better connections, how to speak better, how to build better relationships. just in general, really really good stuff on art of charm. I wouldn't listen to every single episode, but go pick out the interviews, especially and listen to those um yeah, other than that, Kevin Rose, I listened to the Kevin Rose show because I'm a tech guy. he talks a lot about cryptocurrency and startups and you name it. so that's my that's my other go-to. Now let's transition to books. I, I knew you were gonna ask this, so I wrote down a few. I would actually categorize these as well. So for marketing, go read Purple Cow. I've already brought that one up, but that's Seth Godin. It's super short. It's, it'll take you like a day and a half to read it, even if you're like a super slow reader. It's really good, easy to digest, easy to get through. Purple Cow for marketing. Go read it, everybody. Uh, number two, for all creatives anywhere, anywhere, entrepreneurs, bloggers, writers, podcasters, artists, singers, painters, Who knows? The war of art by Steven Pressfield is the single best audiobook of all time. It is so good. Read it if you really want to, but grab it on audible. Even if you don't have an audible account, just pay the full price, whatever that is. Like, I don't know. It might be like 15 or 20 bucks even and listen to it once every six months, it will change your life. The war of art by Steven Pressfield for productivity and getting stuff done deep work by Cal Newport. I just finished this less than a month ago and it's so good. (laughs) It's so good. It talks about just the importance of flow, deep work, like actively setting aside time to spend long chunks of time working through very difficult tasks. And it's like, it's game changing. It's really good. Deep work by Cal Newport. And I know you guys probably have a bunch of personal finance listeners. I thought I'd throw it about throw it about, I thought I would throw out a different one, the millionaire fast lane. So I've read all the millionaire next doors and the rich dad board ads and the Think and grow rich. All those are great, but those are highly recommended. The millionaire fast lane is a little bit more entrepreneurship and earning focused, I guess you could say. And I really enjoyed that one. So I'll throw that one out there as well. Fantastic. I think that's all. Yeah, that's all I wrote down.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You were very prepared for that question.
3: <laughs> I was. I was. I like recommending things, I'm telling you. Uh,
2: so do you have a favorite quote that you try to live by?
3: Good. Good. That's the quote. Oh. And yeah, one word. So let me tell you what it means because I know that doesn't mean anything. So there's a guy by the name of Jocko Willink. He is a former Navy SEALs commander, also been on the Tim Ferriss show, by the way. It's a really great episode. Uh, as well as author... As well as um, he owns an own company, like consulting, management consulting for like big CEOs. He's one of the toughest, scariest guys you will ever see. Like go, everyone go Google Jocko Willanick. Just Google Jocko. It'll probably like pop right up. So scary looking. He's like pure muscle. He looks like this really scary army guy. And he is. And this was his thing. This was his default response. Whenever he was like training Navy SEALs or when he was in active duty overseas or whatnot, his motto for everything was good. And I'm, by the way, I'm just saying G-O-O-D. It's exactly what it sounds like. Good. When people came to him with a victory or success or a like, oh, yes, this awesome thing happened, he would say, good, good. When people came and said like, oh, my gosh, we have this huge problem. Our tank needs some work and we're not going to be able to move out until tomorrow. and all these other people don't have their supplies and like all this other stuff. He would say, good, good. It was his default response for everything positive and everything negative. And it just put him in this mindset of like, good, the good stuff will take care of itself. Our successes will take care of itself. All the bad things, all the negative things are just setting us up to get better. It's the whole like, what doesn't kill you, makes you stronger sort of thing, I guess. Yeah. So he just, he had this default reaction of good whenever people came to him good things bad things struggles problems solutions whatever he was just good and so I really adopted that over the past couple of months whenever I would get down whatever something bad would happen whenever I wasn't getting the podcast downloads that I really wanted or something like that I I would go back I have this written down I almost got a tattoo of it and I would see that word and just be reminded of like okay it's fine good something bad is happening good I'll figure it out I'll get better. This will make me smarter in the process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That was a good answer. <laughs> yeah, it kind of requires some explaining. I knew you guys are going to be like, oh, oh, okay. That's your favorite quote. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah.
2: Good.
1: <laughs> awesome. Pete, we've absolutely loved hanging out. Just before we let you go, do you have you know, the last potting piece of advice? And then we'll say cheers.
3: Uh, Well, this is going to be a little cliche, but I'll say it anyways. I would encourage everybody out there listening to this to start a blog you don't have to pay money you don't have to get a domain name like your own custom domain name you don't have to make it anything you can completely be anonymous i think it's such a gift and such an emotional uh, journey to actually write on the internet for other people even if you're completely anonymous it doesn't matter or really if anybody never sees it it's such like a it's almost like just the same thing you get from like journaling or diary writing or stuff like that. I would encourage everybody to seriously think about starting a blog. Even if you just go to wordpress.com and do it for free and do it under a pen name or whatever a pseudonym, I guess they would call it. I would encourage everybody to do that. That's it. That's all I got.
2: I definitely agree. I love writing. And I love writing the blog. And a lot of times I just kind of treat it as a diary. And then I totally like just, I don't know. I, there's no lock on it and anybody can read it Which <laughs> totally. in like conversations with like people at work or people that I meet whenever like anything financial comes up. I like my immediate reaction is to be like, oh, no, you don't talk about that. And now I'm kind of like, <laughs> well, you can read about my entire life online anyway. So I might as well talk about it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It will fundamentally change people. I really do believe that.
1: Yeah. Transparency is great. Chainers, we've been hanging out with Pete McPherson. Check out his website, doevenblog.com and decide if you want to start a blog. It can really be a great creative outlet and who knows, you may even make some money out of it.
2: Eventually.
3: Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it might take longer than you think, but eventually.
1: <laughs> Chainers, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you did, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review us on the App Store. Catch you on the flip side.